0: Wow, what a what what a superb owl this mm. year! As as, it, as as it is every year, we just really get those really great owls.
1: Yeah, yeah, that is true. Yeah, I mean, I, I was at, I I always thought it was it was um about bowls, like who mm. can have
0: the the best Super Bowl, you know, for like a salad, like for- like. Or maybe a pottery throwing contest.
1: Oh, that's true. Yeah. I wonder if someone tried to Who do that. Who throws
0: the best bowl. Mm. I mean, do you, do you do this? Do you like go into a gallery and immediately feel for the beginner's hump? And you're like, noob.
1: <laughs> I mean, I guess. Yeah. It's a
0: mediocre bowl. At yeah. You're just, ugh, I could make that, you know easily back i mean maybe i guess bowl also is a weed thing too oh right? that's smoke true a bowl. yeah smoke a bowl a super bowl that,
1: oh there it is smoke a super bowl Someone
0: yeah should try that that
1: could be fun mm-hmm.
0: a super bowl which is i guess just a maybe it's a drag race event mm. with um subarus oh like a subaru bowl but they kind of abbreviated
1: it on that one
0: yeah yeah just you know the Subs. <laughs> Well, speaking of this incredibly important conversation, um, sports—I guess, mm, right? Absolutely. I mean, they, they're certainly out there. They are, um, certainly and a lot out of there. a lot of people seem to really be invested in it. I have to say, that's true. What 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 did you grow up with for for sport?
1: Uh, I'm gonna have to say big old E A G L E S Eagles on that one for Philadelphia football. Oh, go birds! Go
0: birds, man! I. Yeah. Uh. I, oh, yeah. You know, you're you're a Philadelphia son. Unfortunately. Yeah. Um. I mean, I, I saw. Here's all I know yep. is I saw the movie Invincible. Perfect. That's all you need. Um,
1: <gasps> oh my god. Did I ever tell you how I uh, about my <laughs> Invincible story? With that. Now that you just bring up. No. Now that you bring up Vince Papali and unlocked a deep memory. <laughs> Get this. I'm the person who will overdress for any occasion, but it was never that way. And I. I bought when I was younger, like one of those like Vince Papali jerseys, like for the Eagles. (laughs) Because I could and wore it to church one day because like I hate it going and my my mom made me go and I demanded I could wear this. So I wore an Eagles jersey into church, which come to think of it, isn't the strangest
0: thing you could wear. That's the most honestly, that's kind of on brand for everything I know about Philadelphia. (laughs)
1: Yeah, that's the thing. At least it's South Jersey by adjacent. It's like everybody is pretty much from that. So I feel like I was yeah. trying to be rebellious even at that age, but everybody was just like go birds.
0: Hmm. Hmm. I mean, I almost just assume that's part of like the sermon. Like the priest is up there <laughs> and is just like, "Amen, go birds." Go birds. Yeah, under
1: the breath, like low bones. It. You know. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I mean, I guess we do have a we do have a mutual friend who is also from Philadelphia True. and also Catholic. We could cross reference that with her. Fair enough. I mean, for me, like you grew up with the knowledge that the Buccaneers suck. Mm. Um, Like a lot of people that were sports fans are fans of sports elsewhere. Like, yeah. <laughs> I remember, like, the because everybody in Florida is a transplant, as, at least where I was living. So nobody has like some great affiliation for the Buccaneers. Okay. When I was very young, they went to the Super Bowl, and I think actually beat the Eagles, if memory serves correctly. Probably. We got to come in. <laughs> everybody was so excited about it. We got to come in late the next day to school. Oh God. I was I was very young. I didn't really entirely understand <laughs> what the Super Bowl was. Sure. Um, and then I grew up in a triathlon family right so which triathlon iron man it's all a cult yeah but we grew up outside of the super bowl cult so like to me it was fascinating from like an anthropological standpoint that i was like why do people care about this (laughs) um oh my god yeah like i remember in high school Our health teacher, who was also the P.E. coach, you know, Mm. he was just bored one day and put on Rudy.
1: Rudy,
0: Rudy, Rudy, (laughs) Rudy. And I just remember remember watching it and being like, I don't get any of this. I do not understand. Do you know what I understood, though, Zan? What? The
1: cheering. Because
0: I could get down for a good chance. (laughs) (laughs) No, just like and then like and then the idea that tom it's so it's (laughs) funny to me listening like look i follow nothing about football and yet i cannot (laughs) except for forced football facts of course yeah shout out there go give them a listen (laughs) and yet somehow it permeates my bubble that i have to know football information (laughs) and I have to, this has to be inflicted on me. And I hear people refer to them as, you know, Tom Brady and the Bucks. Like, it's a band. Like, they're his backing band. Like, it's, Uh. like, it's like... Bob Dylan and the band, Eric Burton and the Animals. Yeah. Neil Young and Crazy Horse. Nobody's showing up for to just see Crazy Horse. They're showing up <laughs> to see Neil Young. I mean, yeah. <laughs> so
1: Oh my gosh. Tom yeah. Brady and the Bucks. Ugh.
0: Yeah, like Ugh. it's like he's the front man and like, you know, all of this is, everybody's talking about how this is, you know, he's done so many Super Bowls and yeah. you know. Because of course we definitely come to you from the museum live we totally uh know what happened right this oh. is wink wink very very synchronous yeah i mean um, i mean
1: statistically one of them won and i didn't watch it so
0: yes <laughs> so i'm trying to remember that this is what it's all come down to i'm trying to remember if in cars and any of the movies they show them playing any sports that are not racing so mm. in in cars do they have like cars soccer
1: uh-huh. car
0: football because they uh-huh. go uh-huh. to italy right they're in europe and I feel like of all the Italian stereotypes that were on display for us there, we did not see a soccer ball getting kicked around unless right. my memory is <gasps> blocking it out. And I, I have to admit, I was in somewhat of a stupor the last time I watched Cars too. I mean, I guess formula
1: racing is really big there, too,
0: though. But that's racing. Well, yeah, like, I guess. Is yeah. is, the, is there? Yeah. Well, okay. Also, crucially, cars in the second movie where they, you know, go around the world to all these different countries, they very specifically went to countries that have very distinct mm. car mm-hmm. style, right? You know, yeah. like with with a history and stuff. So, like when they meet an Italian these italian cars it kind of makes sense because there are italian cars (laughs) and italian (laughs) racing they go to japan where there's lots of distinct Mm -hmm. famous looking automobiles there are british cars and they're like okay yeah no we know what that looks like there are american cars we know that and like i don't know out of my own ignorance Mm -hmm. like i I don't know if Brazil has mm. their own car manufacturing or their yeah. own car company, like a national car, Sure, manufacturing. Mm. But like I'm if they sure. went to Brazil, Brazil in the car's universe, I mean, God knows what racial coding we would encounter. Um, yeah, but would yeah. they be would they be disinterested with racing, and would they be mm. like pushing around a soccer ball awkwardly?
1: or it's like rocket or, league and then they have you know the engines and jets attached to them and they fly in the air and and kick the ball with their faces into the net i've never played the game but i'm pretty sure that's how it goes so uh-huh, i'm willing to uh-huh. bet that maybe it's some sort of hybrid soccer game where they don't they don't use the tires that's inefficient it's totally just headbutting with the face
0: but also would are the t- Here's the problem with soccer. You can't use your hands. Right, but they don't you got hands. You can use your head. Yeah. And you can use your feet. The cars don't have feet. Or hands. But they seem so. to use their tires as mm. hands, but it seems really inefficient for them to be able to kick. Yeah, so it's a headbutting game yeah yeah i guess just everyone in the cars universe races
1: well maybe it's different types of races like you know you got your formula one you have your nascar you have your death race you have all types of
0: things (laughs) you have your Cannonball
1: run all kinds of different yeah you know we all
0: like we all know death those death races yeah and like a mad max type one you know you know what i say it's about time it finally came to the olympics you know
1: Yeah, I mean, have you ever seen that movie? Have you ever seen Death Race? I have not. Am I missing out? Not really. They made a second. Well, mm. I, I can't remember if it's an older movie, and then they made a remake, and then a remake. I've seen the the new. The, the it's not even new. It's from like the two thousands.
0: It's whack. Don't watch it. See, the Death Race that I'm familiar with was I grew up with. Uh, well, my brother really loved Speed Race Oh, nice. It's... and we would watch that we had a portable dvd player and we would watch speed racer nice. on car trips my my dad really likes speed racer um I, it, I,
1: it is so it's... fucking insane <laughs> and that's his brother rex who he doesn't know is alive and that's yeah. his, in every episode so they have to speed remind him doesn't
0: us. know his <laughs> racer x is his older brother rex
1: oh my god the movie's it's pretty
0: crazy sp- Spritel and Chim Chim, hey, man, I don't make the rules. anime's weird, yeah. yeah, yeah, I mean, I guess we've established that, but i i I this is just all I've been able to think about, you know the. The cars problem, as always. I mean, like,
1: like I've always say, I always have an existential crisis every time I even try to think about cars and or cars too, and the implications of it. And so one day, you
0: do always say that every every time we speak, we open every conversation. That's very
1: true. So, yeah.
0: Speaking of cars, and speaking of Japan, Mm. kind of in a roundabout way. So. Joe, we're coming hot off the heels of another exhibit on a fairly popular topic, Mm -hmm. this band you might have heard of called The Beatles. Yes, very true, very true, as we covered before. Yeah, and me, I've said this before, Mm -hmm. and I'll go on the record, and I don't care who I offend. Right. I think the surviving members of The Beatles... Should partner up the, the surviving members of The Who so that you have. Uh uh-huh. Because we still got the drummer and the bassist for The Beatles. Yeah. We have the guitar player and vocalist for The Who. Mm-hmm. They combine forces. Right. And they are The Hoodles. Ooh, okay. Or The
1: Booze. No, Hoodles is fun. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine an owl
0: of sorts. <laughs> <laughs> the
1: hoodles <laughs> i mean i think you should really try to pitch this crossover Zane. i think you could probably get it going
0: yeah i mean i also think that i i tweeted about this years ago and nobody cared but <laughs> i genuinely i I wanted Paul McCartney to get back to me because I tweeted a million dollar idea at him, and nobody <laughs> responded. Which was a line of chicken wings seasonings oh, based yeah. off of Wings <laughs> songs. Ooh! So it's Wings, Wings, <laughs> and you know it's a band on Cajun. Oh,
1: fun!
0: Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Right live and let fry Ooh, nice i like that yeah maybe i'm a honey glazed okay see man these are Paul. Oh, this is free money <laughs> right here
1: oh my gosh yeah how do we how do we get paul mccartney into the museum how does that
0: happen <laughs> well it's me right here <laughs> oh my god paul Oh hi, hi Joe.
1: Hi! Wow, it's how me, do you know my name? McCartan. That's crazy. I didn't know you were a fan of the. Oh, I'm I'm a big fan. Oh, wow, that's great. Well, thanks. Thank you for supporting the museum and all of that. Um, how was your flight? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What a great
0: time to be flying and whatnot. Oh, I. <laughs> You're f- still flying? <laughs> oh, I forget. <laughs> I have instantaneous transportation, but oh man, you know it's it's, it's really only available for billionaires. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean that's what happens when you enter the strawberry fields and such, so it's fair enough. Yes.
0: Yes. <laughs> um, oh, bye Paul. Oh, see uh, yeah,
1: okay, he left.
0: So right at the end of our Beatles exhibit, our Beatles extravaganza, right. our Bonanza, mm-hmm. Beatles Bonanza. We realized that we actually have some we, we would like to talk fairly. Mm-hmm. About Yoko Ono, yes, because i'm I'm of the opinion that she gets a bad rap and and is unfairly vilified in media, and we're surrounded by it all the time, like she is the butt of jokes. We didn't really talk about it in our discussion of the Beatles, and I think we would be remiss if we didn't kind of give our remarks about it. Yeah. What did you grow up with? Like did mm-hmm. you know her first from the jokes like most people do or
1: Um yeah, probably. I mean, I really didn't, like I said before in in the other exhibit I really didn't know much about the Beatles growing up other than like the general ones you get from pop culture and and, and then like until yeah. later with Yoko Ono it's even worse. Like I only knew her as you know partner of of john lennon and a part in a way connected to the beatles but i didn't know how i i really thought of her as a side character straight up and Mm -hmm. i'm mad about that like i'm mad that that was the depiction i got because like this is just one of those cases of people that i didn't know was a fine artist who's insanely famous and really important in the in the art world and I I knew her and still kind of do as you know it's John Lennon and Yoko yeah. Ono and and that in the photograph taken of them and I'm blanking by who it's very famous
0: of them in bed Annie Leibovitz
1: yep so I I think it's one of the things that I'm I'm trying to I guess deal with and it, and it frustrates me that she's still treated as the like butt of a joke in a lot of these cases because it's like really we haven't we really haven't thought about that anymore as a society. Like, people still treat her this yeah. way. Yeah. It's very frustrating. Well, it's,
0: it's one of those things that's, like... It is such a part of our vernacular that yeah. you don't even know, like... You feel like you're interrupting a conversation yeah. when, you, when you point something out. Because, like, you can be having a conversation or a joke or something, and someone makes a joke about... Uh, dinosaurs turning into oil, and like the you'll see the corner of my eye twitch. Oh, and be gosh. like, <laughs> do I correct them and say, actually, dinosaurs, uh, actually, uh, petroleum is not made of dinosaurs. Oh, yeah, and like, like do I interrupt that? Because, yeah. like, it's not, but it's a part of our vernacular, yeah, like, so. He's like, okay, like, a lot of things that I wasn't entirely aware of, like, like, I feel like I grew up knowing, like, vaguely the Beatles, and then Yoko Ono is attached at some point. Yeah. And, like, I think I came more into awareness of it, like, like, of all things, like, that I, that slowly introduced me to so much referential culture. There's this episode of 30 Rock. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Where Jenna is dating um these uh this guy from an Australian kids group called The Woggles, which <laughs> clearly is a, a base is making fun of the Wiggles, oh, but they're treating them like they're the Beatles. Oh. And Jenna Jenna proclaims that she wants to be Yoko. She wants to break up this <laughs> children's group oh. by telling by telling the lead singer of the Woggles that he's so much better and so much smarter and so much more talented than everyone else. Hmm. And like, and and then for him to go on his own solo career. Right. And that's really the story we're given of the Beatles a yeah. lot of the time. Like that they're just four guys and they're best friends. And like, I guess even as a kid, like I pictured them Living in like an Alvin the, the Chipmunk style room where they all slept in their own bed in four in a row like and, you know John John has a J above his bed yeah. George has a G above his bed you know yeah that's it's like that like that kind of thing I mean that's like, fun I feel like they did at one yeah point. Just...
1: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah I get what you're I get what you're saying because it's it's kind of spoon fed to us that way if we're being yeah. honest and then it's like oh. Here comes the girlfriend who's gonna ruin everything because that's what happened. But that's the
0: narrative. That's the narrative, exactly. like that, and especially for like a lot of classic rock bands, dad rock bands, yeah. like that is the narrative because the Beatles are such an archetype that we, you know, last time I spoke a little bit about the way that we project kind of the four humors onto, right, yeah, onto people and fictional characters alike. And there's so many tropes that weren't tropes yet that the Beatles got, just kind of invented, mm, you too. know? Yeah. Like the idea that they have this super accessible early part of their career, and then they start to get experimental and alienate people. Yeah. Like, they they, they invented all of that. Uh,
1: yeah, that's... Oh, gosh,
0: yeah. Yeah, it, or at least in ter- I should say in terms of, like popular music right yeah uh, like that um i mean because like you know bob dylan getting booed off the stage because he picked up the electric guitar and mm-hmm. that, that, that's a conversation for another yeah. day because i know you and i <laughs> you and i differ in our opinions of electric bob dylan that's <laughs> very true yeah but yeah specifically and here's the problem and and we are we are falling into this trap itself as we do this yeah we want to talk about Yoko Ono, uh-huh. and yet we keep talking about the Beatles and exactly. we're going to keep talking about John Lennon. And it's one of those, it's a real Amal Clooney type situation. Right. You know? Yeah, yeah. Where she has this incredible, impressive career. And really, the husband could almost be the footnote. Yeah. You know? In telling the story and telling history. <laughs> right. I was really pleasantly surprised last year when you and I were in uh, an art history course Yep. and Yoko Ono and her work were brought up uh, as part of Fluxus.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: And our professor did not mention John Lennon once. No. We just talked about Yoko Ono's work and Mm -hmm. where it fit into the history of art because i feel like i knew also she was an artist but again she has art that is the stuff that we would think of as stereotypical pretentious very avant-garde art stuff like Mm -hmm. a few years ago and still now you get the meme of yoko ono doing a vocal performance where objectively if you don't know what's going on you see (laughs) this woman go up to a microphone and just start yelling right uh into the microphone and you know people would put music behind it and they would be like yoko ono sings the national anthem yeah and then like behind her you hear the music (laughs) and then yoko's "Ah!" right like like there was even an Animaniacs episode <laughs> making fun of Yoko. Oh God! Like and her and her singing and and the and the screaming and w- without the context, she does seem like that very art school, very pretentious, very why is this art type yeah. of art? Right, right. Yeah, Be- because she is put out of context. She mm-hmm. is her work is being juxtaposed with the fucking Beatles. Yeah. The most market, one of the most marketable things on earth. Yeah.
1: Literally. Like we talked about this <laughs> yeah. the economy
0: behind it. It's insane. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, cause I mean, that's, that's also something to think about with art. Like, yeah. Like there's been for me, like, and I run into this a lot because I like classic rock. You get, if you put that into your algorithm looking for music to listen to, if you want to like put on a playlist or something, Mm -hmm. I'm going to put in Bruce Springsteen. Yeah. My man, the boss. Sure. Bruce Frederick, Bruce Frederick, Joseph Springsteen. I always type in his full name out of respect.
1: (laughs) Of course, as you do.
0: Yes. And then it's like, Oh, you like Bruce Springsteen. Well, you must Want to listen to Leonard Skinnerd? And you're like, do I? Are you, are you sure? Yeah, you must want to listen to Kiss. And I really don't like Kiss. Kiss is, Kiss is gross. I, mean, I don't yeah. get it. Toronto, <laughs> Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> All All right, listen. Listen. Oh
1: God. <laughs> so weird. I don't. I don't like. Kiss, Love
0: gone. <laughs> Hi there, my name is Colby White And I'm one of the hosts from Force Football Facts A podcast where my friend Zachary and I Force our other friend Tyrell to give us insights into the game Even though he
1: doesn't know anything about it
0: We use our humor to bring you weekly football news In a new way that takes fan opinions into account While also helping new fans understand why we love this game so much You can check us out on our website ForceFootballFacts.com Or wherever podcasts are available Hope to see you soon. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, uh, yeah. But you, that that very market, very, very marketable yeah. music. And it's like, that's not what I'm listening for. Yeah. That's not what I'm going for when I go for those bands. Right. But anyways, that, that's a whole other thing. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> this is kind of, uh, this is uh, a neat opportunity for us to talk right. about Yoko Ono. And I know we already broke our rule and isolate her from... john lennon and the beatles but like let's talk about her work Mm -hmm. let's talk about what's important about it and let's maybe give people a point where they could get into this and understand what's going on and like like all abstract or um conceptual art I'm not going to say you have to like it because yeah. you don't have to like it. And in a lot of cases it's not meant for you. It's not to. <laughs> yeah. it's it's not the type of thing where you're supposed to be, "Oh, I like that." You're yeah. not that's not the reaction that they're trying to get from you. Right, exactly. If we can if we if you're coming hot off the heels of our previous entry on the Beatles and where we can hopefully give you some tools to uh to look at her work and mm-hmm. you know maybe give give it a shot like cuz there's genuinely interesting stuff going on here oh, to talk about a-
1: absolutely i mean just a, just one thing before we kind of we we head into our exhibit here and discuss it I mean, I think for me, you know, I didn't like I said earlier, I didn't know she was an artist and then just being introduced mm-hmm. to her in, in class and then stumbling upon not one, but two exhibits in different oh, yeah. in different moments in Italy. <laughs> and then, you know, not even come, like one of them being her Apple piece. I, I think it's mm-hmm. just titled that I can't remember. Of, I, I mean, it was a, a part of a Fluxus kind of retrospective in um, Museo Novecento in Florence, Italy, that is it was like incredible because you're like oh my god we just talked about this in in class and now we're here and i'm seeing this and it's and it's it's a fantastic piece and i think we can it's based on her instruction paintings that we're going to talk about and but there's just something about that where you know for a moment you separate it from that Mm -hmm. history you know and you look at them as just the artists they are and the work they're producing yeah and then just the kind of I don't know how, how great in a way it is, regardless of how you feel about the piece mm-hmm. itself. Just that moment of, oh my God, I didn't know they do this. And now I can look mm-hmm. at this in such a different perspective. And even finding out about things yeah. like that later. I mean, this also happened to me with like Steve McQueen, the guy who directed uh, 12 Years <laughs> a Slave. And like, um, and oh gosh, I'm blanking the other ones. But like, I I, I had a, I did a, some research on him for, for class and I, I didn't realize that he was a fine artist who won the Turner Prize. You know I, I didn't know that, and yeah he's he's incredibly influential and famous for not only video and film but for visual art and and drawing chow so. it's me,
0: Steve McQueen. no, not that Steve McQueen's saying... <laughs> therew no. i'm 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 racing in a car, and i'm I'm racing in a car called Bullet, uh oh, okay, no, not that well, this is Sir Steve
1: McQueen. I should be clear because I'm pretty sure he's knighted.
0: Yeah, that's Sir Steve McQueen no, to you. No, no, not not. not wow, Lightning. you left out my title. <laughs> no, I don't think I did. I don't think that's him. I think this is, this is Owen Wilson. <laughs> is Lightning McQueen named after Steve McQueen? Probably. <laughs> that's my answer to Maybe. everything in the world. Probably. <laughs> um, But yeah, so Yoko Ono. <laughs> um... <laughs> Um well technically you and I uh humble brag, you and Ooh. I are collaborators with Yoko Ono.
1: It's true, we are. So fun mm-hmm. fun fact on that one, because of that apple piece I just mentioned was a participatory piece in which one um was shown lots of different apples with bites taken out of them on the ground and was asked in yeah. instructions
0: to also take a bite. And um yeah. <laughs> to set the stage for people. You and I walked into uh, an ex- an exhibition space in yep. Italy, and mm-hmm. there's this uh, there's this pedestal in the yep. middle of the room, and all around it are these green apples with bites taken out of them. Yeah, and the in- the instruction is there to take a bite of the apple and leave it. Yep, and you know, it's it's such an interesting gesture of i mean first of all the symbolism of the apple itself you know yeah so yoko ono's work in particular deals with uh feminism quite a bit Mm -hmm. um uh women really really uh took up conceptual art and performance art in the middle 20th century in part because art history it always seemed was so geared towards men. Yes. You know, this was a generation of people going to art school. Like that's where the artists were coming from men and women going to art school, learning history. So when they did that, you know, and regardless of their gender or their, their ethnicity, they were realizing there is this the the curriculum is weighted to uh european men yeah and there's you know all of these uh things all these threads running through running through the curriculum that is taught of the male genius Mm -hmm. and so for women to sort of come in and want to participate in this story of art history, a big part is finding the places where women do have an impact. And in a lot of cases that is, you know, um, women participating in culture through craft, through food, through culture, through raising children, like because those were the roles that they were, you know, restricted to much of uh the the history that was being taught they're going to look at that history of craft and knowledge so to bring the apple forth when you when you encounter a work like this mm-hmm. when you're looking at the apple and you're looking at this dialogue of strangers coming into a gallery everybody is taking a bite of this uh, of this food and you're getting that connection of knowledge mm. that it's it's uh biblical you know eve right. eve taking the apple and it, it, I, I couldn't help in my own way but to think oh there's also you know a tiny tiny bit of me that's like there's also the apple connection yep. with the Beatles. I'm gonna oh, try not to see. I was
1: thinking Steve <laughs> Jobs. I was thinking actual Apple. Interesting. I mean, I, mean, I guess that's yeah. Kind of precursor, but yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I know. I I'm pretty sure, if I'm not mistaken, too, that the work that specific one was coming from somebody actually taking a bite of the apple on the pedestal that they used it. But I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if yeah. this gesture specifically for the work shown was actually yeah. directed from that. But I'm pretty yeah. sure that's how it goes.
0: Yeah, and I'm not, and I'm not saying that that's even necessarily what went into mine. What went, what, what right. was, what was going into the creation of the work? Sure, but sure. But I'm sure. saying, I, I, I want people to be clear. It's like when we're talking about this, uh, this very conceptual art. Bring your experiences with you. Yes,
1: absolutely. Bring,
0: bring everything you have with you. Yeah, because you if you might see the apple you might think computers you might think <laughs> you might think the beetles but then think further yeah. think not the the forbidden fruit the tree of knowledge mm-hmm. the um you know this uh this vilification of women as yeah. the corruptors as the corruptors of men, you know? Yeah. I mean, but
1: with all like conceptual art in that case, too, and then even specifically with hers, it's there's so many layers to simplicity. It mm-hmm. might be shown as the easy way or, or something that people could, oh, well, anybody yeah. can put an apple on a pedestal. But, you know, when you start to break it down and the things that are there and what it represents and how it's formed and how it's been, you know, what it calls back to and the gesture that signifies is. Yeah, very impactful, and it's very Mm -hmm. um. It has a lot of depth to it, you know.
0: Yeah, and I think we should also mention, you know, Yoko Ono herself has an incredible art education behind her. Absolutely. the The other thing that uh sort of while while we were going over our material for this, I. Wanted to refresh my memory on her age. She's 87. She was born Mm. in 1933. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, You know, so still Japan is still an empire at that point. And that's the that's the crazy thing about all of these 60s artists is they were all born in the, you know, they were born either in the direct aftermath of or in the later parts of world war two, like they were coming of age during these Mm -hmm. things, you know, Keith Richards has a thing in his autobiography. And I, I remember reading this and just like, it really put it into perspective, you know, on the one hand, how far removed it was, but also how not far removed it was like him talking about just growing up. And there were just craters in the streets, you know, right. That, the war. He was a little older. The war was over, you know. Yeah. Um, As I think he was born in forty five. Okay. But, uh, or or maybe maybe forty four. I think it, during the war. Right. I know he was born like during like a bombing raid. Jesus. Or something.
1: Hardcore. <laughs> yeah, I was
0: born. I, hey, I I was born in a crossfire hurricane. Mm, there you go. Jumping Jack, jumping Jack Flash. But yeah, all of these guys and gals um, and everything in between are growing up in the aftermath of World War Two. Hmm. And I it's and, and that always seems because when you think about the young people of the 60s, it already seems like far in the past. But this is this this is a reality for them growing up. You know, and then she moves to New York City. She's, you know, she goes to Sarah Lawrence. She knew John Cage. Like, all of these incredibly important artists and activists um, and performers, you know, she was in the thick of it. And you can't pretend the way way she was, you know, the, the way she was slandered to say, you know, she was... Talentless, she just, you know, was uh, latching on. You know j- that that she had nothing to do with John Lennon. She was a serious avant-garde artist, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and and to suggest that you know she was that, like, like if anything, like she's she's a mo- she's a more avant-garde artist than John Lennon. I mean, yeah. <laughs> to
1: be honest, yes. I mean it, it's, yeah. it's a crazy amount of influential work that we'll see yeah. come back in the eighties and into the nineties and other art movements. I mean, it's it's really you know, she's working and and really from a lineage of such an important moment in art history, yeah. depending on how you look at it. And like, you know, her back her background too you know, yeah. be, being in Japan during the end of the war and also for, for the bombings and the aftermath of that, it, oh, yeah. it, it totally comes back into the work. It's influential because there's nothing... Mm-hmm. You know, one's history will always come in, I think, to working in their practice no matter what, yeah. even if they try to remove it. Mm-hmm. But in her, in her case, too, and in all of the works produced, there's just so many el- so much elements of that. And even just, like, references to other parts mm-hmm. in history. Like, I know the you know one of the other exhibits that we sort of ran into was the one in the maxi in in mm-hmm. rome and it's in the the exhibition is really an installation of a boat that like like one of those dinghies that's kind of on its side uh attached mm-hmm. to i think like a pillar like a small one and there's just mm-hmm. it's the whole room is covered in paint i'm pretty sure or or like a, a pastel or something and it's it's all blue purple kind of mostly bluish yeah. tones and it's writing, there's drawings. It looks like graffiti, but like crazy amounts. And, you know, the mm-hmm. work consists of um, what what was originally kind of made was that the entire room was blank. The boat was blank. It was all white, super monochrome and and stuff. Yeah. And then the audience is invited to go in and draw over top what they feel about the refugee crisis. And that was what the work was kind of responding to. And in, in the title of it is, is literally Refugee Boat. Uh, and at the time mm-hmm. i didn't know that was yoko ono's work i just recently found that out that that's another <laughs> one again this happens again i just randomly find out but you know and, and upon learning about the lineage of that too of the medium of freedom of the audience and participatory work you know the gut, uh, gutai the um japanese collective that's working in the 60s and 70s mm-hmm. also is is famous for innovating that as it happens yeah. and you can tell that's just a you know this is a this is a lineage. This is something that's being followed within this work and a call back to almost in a way, or it's at least working in the yeah. same time. So, you know, all of these interconnectedness that's happening, you know, throughout only, not only her work, but other influential artists and specifically female artists in the 1960s and onward is in conceptual works is, is very, very important and yeah. not as easy to dismiss as one might like to when trying to study these things and really address everything without just excluding it
0: yeah and you know i think we also can't downplay that yoko ono also faced real racism that we you know we might not think about because she's connected to all these incredibly famous people she's an active participant in this art scene and then you know like you said uh just from her growing up and the time period she was living in you know the 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 war in the Mm. in the pacific was recent memory yeah exactly uh for for a lot of people and the you know racism she faced as a person of japanese descent both you know not 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 even just in in america but in in the uk yeah you know uh i mean they they in part moved to new york her and john later because of the racism interesting uh that she faced and it's uh it, it's it, you know you, you can't discount all of these things either when we when we don't evaluate uh the the hatred that we throw at someone that we think broke up our favorite boy band yeah you know because this is something that you see a few times over and it's it's a pattern that like because like okay all the all the former beatles have mentioned that uh in in some form or another have admitted that yoko was not the cause of their breakup right and that that the beatles would have broken up anyways hmm. but but the the thing that people still throw at her uh a lot of it reminds me I of the stuff that the the way that people talk about Courtney love and in part, that's why I have such a hard time buying into and having fun with like conspiracy theories about Courtney love, like mm. killing Kurt Cobain or causing him to commit suicide or something. Right. I have such a hard time believing in those things because it sounds like the same kind of tone that guys like to throw out there talking about some a woman that dared to enter their space of what they thought was the guy's space. Yeah. And 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 ruin it, you know. Um and to another extent you kind of see this more recently with like Carol Baskin mm. uh from tight uh, on the Tiger King documentary where you know everything every everything about her like, you know, I think there are things to pull into question, but the idea that there's so many shady people involved with all of this, right. so many people doing so much confirmed, gross, illegal and immoral stuff. But everybody still has all this hatred for a woman who's trying to take down an animal abuser. Literally, yeah. Yeah, it's But th- oh. that that is she draws. She draws their hatred in like away from what should be the target of the documentary. And I don't think people evaluate that very much. No, in in this in the same way that even if there was something shady about Courtney Love or Yoko Ono or anything, it's difficult to look at the criticisms and not hear just old fashioned sexism.
1: Yeah, and it's also just a lot of misogyny and other things. It's 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 totally ignored, and that's you're right. It's it's yeah. insanely frustrating. I mean, I don't know as much about the Courtney Love situation, although I agree that it's a bit out of hand. You know what I mean? Like it, yeah. it becomes way more about yeah, that that's sort of oh, you know, they ruined the guy's spot. You know, they 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 caused this. They did this. They they have that, and there's a little bit of an yeah. undertone there. And with Carol Baskin, it's the same problem, but worse. It, it, well, maybe not worse. Yeah, no. I don't want to compare situations, but this is somebody yeah. who, you know, regardless of what the documentary shows you, had their life threatened by someone. Yeah. And by yeah. also someone who's not a good person. And then the <laughs> internet uh, defends them because it's fun, because it's entertaining. And, you know, I think we'll get into this yeah. more in, in a documentary series we're going to be covering uh, shortly in the in this span of the UCM, but... Oh, O-U-T's. Mm, I do. But... Again, because of the 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 profound paper that I mention all of the time about Tiger King, that makes me the expert somehow. will come back soon, so keep a lookout for it. But but it but, you know this is a part of a research that I've done into that because it's like people as the documentary and not to tangent, but when you are showing this story, when you are doing you know when you're putting this on display. In a way, your your edits and what you make is your responsibility for how people will respond. And Tiger King did that and used this story of did Carol Baskin kill her husband or not, and use it as a trap because it makes for really good entertainment. If it was fake, right? Because mm-hmm. then no one would get yeah. hurt. But they're real. They're real people, yeah. and it it feeds into this this you know who knows? Because I mean, yeah, she also has problems too. I'm not going to sit here and defend Carol Baskin, but at the same time, it's like yeah. That doesn't excuse uh, the sexism and misogyny and other things I that
0: come out of it. she knows where her husband is. I'm not saying she killed her husband. Yeah. I'm just saying she knows where he
1: is. I mean, probably. That's, that's a,
0: all I'm going to say. I mean, you're not wrong.
1: She's also super shady with how she treats cats, too, and her logic.
0: But it doesn't make yeah. her,
1: you know... It doesn't make it okay for the amount of yeah. That she I gets mean that that
0: documentary me. also has again the problem that right. I would, I I have problems with PETA. Yeah, same for lots of reasons that we don't have time to get into. Yeah, but it is bizarre watching a documentary where PETA <laughs> is the rational party. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. But anyways, Yoko Ono. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, but, but yes, no, the, the, to go back to your point, I mean, this is what makes Fluxus, uh, and, and this moment in art so interesting is that this is, I mean, I mean, how, how would you even put it, like, what this is doing for art, that you are you're not being asked to sit and look at a painting and decipher all of the allegories in it and judge an artist based on their technical skill. You are there for the ideas. The idea has eclipsed Mm. the work itself. You are being brought into a space and you are meant to contemplate an idea. And in a way, it's actually meant to be, it's sort of meant to be even more accessible because it's, it's it's not trying to be, you know, they want you to think they right. want you to come in and do some of the legwork because you should not just I don't think they would have liked the idea of someone just handing you an ID. Absolutely not. That's against the rules yeah. <laughs> for. for yeah. So that that being said, um, you know, you have to sit and contemplate a work, ask someone, why are they? why are they making me look at this thing that I could have done? Yeah. Uh, you know, cause that, that's the criticism that we hear all the time of modern art is like, oh, I could have done that, yeah. you know, and, and talking about ready-mades and stuff like,
1: right. you know,
0: in, in a way they're trying to show you that you do not have to be a great artist, whatever that means mm-hmm. to have these thoughts and to be allowed to, contemplate society and culture yeah and aesthetics that you should be able to, you should be welcomed into these places based on your ideas rather than your uh you know your arbitrary skill level
1: exactly yeah and also that art can also can live around you and it doesn't necessarily have to yeah. come from the from the artists themselves, right? It doesn't necessarily. Well, that, have to that, be... I mean,
0: but but that's that's the whole that's the whole feminist strain going through all of this. This yeah. is such this is so second wave feminism where they're making, you know, a case for uh the the art is the real art that's happening is the perpetuation of culture. And mm-hmm. if you want to talk about the perpetuation of culture and material culture, you have to credit women not just men and especially women um if if you're if if that is if you're going to point out that these things are these things will carry on yeah and have always been carried out um Mm. so uh with with kind of that being said, as a little bit of a background, <laughs> we are going to uh, stroll on over to the Ono Hall. Oh. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there it is. <laughs> I was like, I set myself <laughs> up for this one. Like,
1: okay, yeah, let's head over.
0: Yeah. We have... Th- this is sort of a twist on the way that you might encounter Yoko's... Um yoko's work in a gallery where you know typically these instruction paintings Mm -hmm. which basically the the idea is it is giving you instructions for art right they're very short you know usually a sentence or two they're very reminiscent of haikus Mm -hmm. just you know typewriter on paper and you are meant to think about how you would carry out uh, these sort of these sort of challenges now i I will say with this the the difficulty in these just a, a a little bit is I think these get a little taken out of context and sort of live in the inspirational quotes embroidered on pillows aesthetic mm, yeah, you know um but I want us to go through some of uh what what we're going to be going through in this exhibit is. We're going to go through uh, a few of Yoko Ono's most famous instruction paintings, Mm -hmm. and us, our audience included, can get to contemplate how on earth we might carry out some of these instructions for art. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So if we're all ready, if y'all follow us through, we'll head it all into the, the Ono Hall. Yeah, let's do it. All right, so first up, uh, everybody uh, here, I'll just pass out uh, Mm -hmm. all of these canvases here because the instructions for this one, painting to be stepped on. Leave a piece of canvas or finished painting on the floor or in the street. 1960, winter. Hmm,
1: all right. Well, I'm just gonna throw that
0: over there. Yeah, yeah. Aw, I spent so much time stretching that. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, first off, I mean, this is it it, it this is like just a total like a, a a total rejection of the idea of painting itself. Oh, yeah. Again, this is, you know, not what we would traditionally think of as a painting and um the the, the instruction of it. Yeah. <laughs> is this is I mean, did you ever get a prompt like this in any painting class
1: you were in? <laughs> Not to go no step on it, but, like, the gesture of that, yeah. I mean, it's kind of... It, it's reminiscent of something, right? Where it would be, like, look at this Very lemon much. and paint it. Or look at this... Um, go outside and find a leaf and bring it in, and that's what you'll paint today. You know, something well, if like think, that. Well, if
0: you're thinking of these as painting exercises... Uh-huh. Okay, like, to, you know, use your fruit example, like, to paint fruit, like... So what is the point of painting fruit that we learn to replicate these assemblages? You know, because I guess it's it, in how you figure out your gesture and how you figure out your mark making. Right, yeah. Because that, that that's what we're doing. Yeah. We're thinking about what is crucial that it ends up on the canvas. Is it the canvas itself that is art? Is it the marks we make on it? And, you know, this is sort of pointing out that there's a material that is kind of inherently worthless. You know, this yeah. is and it's it's hard to get much more explicit than this to say, just leave the canvas anywhere <laughs> and leave it in the street. You know, it's it's pointing out that the it's not the material. Exactly. And in this, this is I, I think in my interpretation and. People are allowed to disagree with me. Audience members are allowed to disagree with me. This is a comment on it. Is our gesture?
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, and not just the material.
1: I, I mean, I would I would agree. Yes, I think exactly. It's, ah. it's that, and and then in a lot of cases too, it it's like I was saying before, the simplicity being layered. Yeah. just that that very notion of. Take the canvas, the art object, the thing we're familiar with, and reject it and throw it away because it doesn't matter because it's the material yeah. and then the art can live outside of that as well, which it's also an interesting well, yeah. kind of, I think you, you'll see it mm-hmm. potentially move into the death of painting, but you know, yeah. we'll move on that to later. I want to read another one oh, yeah. here if that's okay oh, yeah, and, Go and for just it. start to interpret these. And this one is titled Blood Peace. Ooh. Use your blood to paint Keep painting until you faint, A. Keep painting until you die, B. Oh, we get
0: options. <laughs> nineteen sixty spring. We do. We do get options. So wait, this is before I wonder if this is spring
1: No, this would be like... after.
0: Yeah, but like what if it was like winter like December nineteen sixty? Oh I guess that's true. That's well no, yeah. but then it would be But maybe oh, this is maybe this, this is something. after okay so we're using our using our blood and we get options we get options this is so i see a lot of audience members looking very nervous as to uh yeah uh how much blood we're going to need to start taking to finish this piece and obviously we're going to have a much smaller crowd if we uh, follow through with these options (laughs) but i think that's really the beauty of that's the beauty of our imaginary (laughs) museum i think Is (laughs) um, is <laughs> let's actually explore what what the implications here are because it's a it's to me this is this is trying to be an artist because yeah, the two options of you try something and it exhausts you, yeah, or you try something and it becomes a part of your life because mm i think the crucial part of keep painting until you die is like i that it's like that's such a like <laughs> that's kind of like a really metal idea you know <laughs> like, well yeah i mean it... but but i i, I mean to, i mean how how do you how do you take it because to me it's like when you're you are going to Bleed. You either exhaust yourself right away, or you're going to bleed your art out of yourself mm. for the rest of your life.
1: Yeah, I mean, without taking it literally, I think it's quite it, it's quite honestly that you know paint for the rest of your life. You're going to be making something forever until it comes to a halt. You know the the blood, your your life essence, the thing that drives you is going to keep making things. I don't think I don't think yoga ona literally means bleed yourself out and actually paint with your blood but i think if we take it as a metaphorical context and read it that way um there's a mm-hmm. lot there like you're pointing at you know with that mm-hmm. you can burn yourself out rather quickly with the thing you do or it can become something that mm-hmm. literally takes your entire life and becomes that but then there i mean there's that kind of interesting fascination of actually painting with your blood <laughs> as an action though right that you become a part of the painting and the painting becomes you whatever but it's I guess it's I guess it's I I guess it's mark making to a certain degree but but yeah I mean
0: but but this is this is the fun of it it's all about the thought yeah exercise and this is this is I think the essence of what this conceptual art is trying to do because it's making such unreasonable (laughs) exactly (laughs) but that it's really highlighting that it is the idea the idea is more important than doing the thing exactly. I mean, itself. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, listen, if, You know, t- take it for our
1: audience here as well. If you want homework, if you want to challenge yourself, try doing some of these,
0: but as thought exercises, as as essays. Can as, we put a, dis- no, can we put a disclaimer literally. there? We don't want you to literally do I this. I
1: said thought exercises as essays.
0: <laughs> not, <laughs> not literally. To be clear, to be clear, thought exercises. Thought
1: exercises, for legal reasons, that's a joke. No, but but you know, one could write an entire paper on one of these. Just from the question, the implication. Or maybe not a paper, maybe like an essay, I guess, or something like Isn't that the same thing? Yeah. Like a like a monologue. A thought, let's a thought,
0: a th- yeah, a thought piece. A thought New piece. Yorker article. Yeah, absolutely. Another piece, uh painting to see the room. So the instructions here, we'll pass all of these out here. Okay. Drill a small, almost invisible hole in the center of the canvas and oh. see the room through it. 1961 autumn oh so this is this is after she's bled a bit i guess yeah we get the um, pin, the needle right through and okay. she and she threw the canvas in the street i wonder if it's the same canvas i'm gonna say no but <laughs> yeah, okay get a fresh canvas fresh canvas without everybody. blood on it without and without blood. footprints on it mm-hmm. and then drill this small hole okay now this is to me this is a little more tongue-in-cheek like yeah well, because on on the one hand, this is this seems like it must be a reference to Camera Obscura. Yes. And then also, I feel like this is. OK, so so in the history of uh, European painting, but also Japanese painting as well, you know, the painting is meant to show you what the artist sees. Right. And th- this is this is something that you know not not all art lineages have which is the painting meant to stand in for your eye mm-hmm. yes and it's it's sort of a uh, it it's sort of just a i i think that's the thing that people don't always get about conceptual art it's supposed to be fun this right. is a fun <laughs> This is a fun gesture, exercise, whatever, in thinking about the canvas is your vantage point. Yes. And, you know, in, in sort of this this reference to the camera, this reference to the eye, this is, you know, it's that moment of thinking about what is, what is important enough that you want to show other people your point of view.
1: Mm, right, yeah.
0: In the canvas. Huh. Yeah, yeah.
1: Hot take on that one, yeah. I mean, I, I absolutely, I (laughs) definitely think, I think for that as well. It's the literal eye, and then also, you know, the camera obscura for sure. Absolutely.
0: How about you? You have one more for us.
1: Yeah, let's take a look at this last one here. Now, this is a class. No, yeah, this is this is the one that I was introduced to first, and Mm -hmm. kind of one of my favorites. Painting to exist only when it's copied or photographed let people copy or photograph your paintings destroy the originals 1964 spring
0: there is so much so to much think here. about with so this one <laughs> much
1: let's let's just immediately reference the obvious of you know the reference to the um art in the age of mechanical reproduction by walter benjamin you know yeah. i think ultimately it's immediately pulling back to to that for those who don't know yeah. the text, in the short as a summary as I can, essentially it's questioning the idea of not only the meaning of art, but the value and other things attached to it in this in this age of reproducing it. How does the painting become a photograph, yeah. and the photograph of a painting is a photograph, and what are the implications of that when you remove the original, and, and how does the loss of aura yeah. and the aura in general get translated? A, a topic for a yeah. different day, but with that being said, <laughs> you know... It's such an interesting question in this work of the original, of what does the original mean? What is the actual mm-hmm. painting? Is the photograph more valuable? Is the repetition more important? I mean, these are these are just some of the questions, I think, that come oh, out yeah. of that. Oh, yeah, totally. And, you know, I think even at the time, in this sort of mm, marketable, you know, age of um, of aesthetic of art, and, you know, mm-hmm. we're right in the middle of pop art at that point, too, you know
0: how yeah. how
1: then do things? It's all repeated? it's
0: all about mass production. Absolutely, it's like, yeah. Nineteen sixty four. I mean, think about yeah. No, we're we're talking about uh, Warhol. We're talking yeah. about Lichtenstein. Yeah, you're this is
1: Campbell's Soup Time, baby. But yeah, it, yeah, it's, this is totally it's what's all. Happening. It's
0: all about repetition mm-hmm. and reproduction because that's what people were seeing. This exactly. was this was a generation because not that long ago, mm-hmm. you know, there was. this there are still people alive that remember the 1800s like there this is such this is such a world where there really is like this full-on this generation that has that all they know is reproduction of material and art yeah you know that you very possibly have more of a relationship with reproductions of art than the original exactly. piece of art.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, that's the that's really one of the questions. It's it's it, it, it. What happens to that? Again, I have to say it, but you know, the aura of the painting when you're looking at a photograph yeah. of it when you're not actually seeing the real thing, and what does that mean? And and you know, how does that affect the viewing then of yeah. it? And again, it's it's a it's. That just that word of destroy the original, you know. So now the painting, yeah. does, it just lives as a photograph, as a documentation, and even as a performance art coming about too, where, you know, yeah. how do you document a performance? You need to have a photograph or videos, yeah. and then that's it. Or in some cases, people don't document their performances, and it just lives as a moment that existed, and a few people remember yeah. it, and that's it. So it's a lot of questioning happening within a simple two sentence kind of. High like totally. poem, and it's it's so just oh my gosh, powerful
0: well here's the here's one other thing I kind of want to think about it's like it's not only this whole you know Walter Benjamin idea of a photograph of a painting is a photograph, but a photograph of a photograph is a photograph, so what I'm also fascinated by here is I feel like there's also an undertone here of a comment on celebrity, oh, interesting that there's the idea that we know so much about specific individuals based on secondhand information.
1: Yeah, true.
0: Like, and this feeling that we know people and we know things without having been there ourselves. It's that disconnect. Yeah,
1: for for sure. Yeah, that's a good point,
0: actually, with that. And
1: definitely, I mean, it would make Mm -hmm. sense, you know? Especially yeah. again, this mass media, this mass reproduction, yeah. and other things destroy happening. the original. Yeah, that's oh gosh, it's yeah. kind of haunting for yeah. where we're at now. Too. It is, it is. Jeez, but...
0: yeah. Well, I hope you all destroyed your painting. Yeah,
1: absolutely, and and maybe <laughs> and yeah, destroy your painting and and become a fluxist. But
0: no, I, <laughs> I think
1: I think it's, <laughs> there's a lot of value in in this. And I know we, you know, it, it took us a bit to get here, but I think this is a great place to sort of leave you all to think about these implications Mm -hmm. and these and these moments and you know as we were kind of getting at without mentioning you know the band of bugs i'm trying not to say the beatles as our rule but you know like how much further this goes how important yoko ono Mm -hmm. is to the conceptual art world and in general contemporary art because art builds on art and we wouldn't be where we're at now without these artists and in particular you know women artists really pioneering these movements and so i think it's it's um honestly if you have time go through and read some of these um of these uh instruction paintings and just maybe do them but be careful and don't do the dangerous ones. Yeah. But also, I think understand you're not really supposed to. And yeah, do, you know, think about it.
0: That's yeah. Just think about. I mean, it. I I think almost the fun would be coming up with your own. Yeah. Um, yeah. As well, because that seems also in the spirit of this. Because I know you can buy like um just whole box sets. Of oh yeah. These, you know, along with Yoko's music and stuff. I think it's also worth pointing out oh you know, yeah she was hugely influential to the b-52s yes. and a lot of other bands but you, you, she had a measurable impact oh yeah outside of her relationship to john lennon on yeah. art and once you start to go into her work you start to see it because you know these instruction paintings they might come off at first as a little cliche, because I think we, again, are used to seeing these very short phrases that don't really stay with us. They just seem very generic yeah. and vaguely inspirational. Right. Climb that. But mountain. <laughs> I th- yeah. Um, alive. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Um, you know, live, laugh, love really, you know, Approach these with the idea of you're capable yeah. of being an artist, and what would actually happen if you followed these instructions? Mm.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Agreed, absolutely.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, yeah, I think I think this does some justice to our uh, leaving of of Yoko. Yes, oh, this the last... was
0: this was maybe maybe a needed correction. And also, I am going to say this uh, without giving too much away. Uh, this is setting the stage for a big project mm-hmm. that we have coming up. Yes, yes, yes. We're going to be so excited to share with you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't want to say too much either, but I think um, it's a good stage setter and, and predecessor for what's to come. So stay tuned and, you know, uh keep following us and and feel free to reach out if you make any of your own instruction paintings out feel free to tweet them at us because that feels like we would
0: love to see that That feels like the
1: right platform for this or on instagram because (laughs) we have an instagram now and you know yeah we'd love to see them
0: yeah um yeah you can find us uh on twitter at uncanny museum you can find us on instagram at uncanny county museum send us your instruction paintings if you make any uh we are coming up on the end of our contest that we have if you haven't entered already uh on instagram give us a follow give us ratings and reviews. we would really love mm-hmm. some of those Tell your friends all about it after you're done, you know. I'm sure it's uh I'm sure you're uh exhausted from that Super Bowl. Oh, that was absolutely. some Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah. Uh you can find me after hours uh at uh at Xanosaurus <laughs> on Instagram.
1: And you can find me as at Josemino Art on Instagram.
0: And Joe, you have another uh limited uh podcast uh to promote i do
1: yes it's just it's finally out there uh the midnight drive which is a a podcast slash audio work i've been producing for gosh five months now at this point uh that is available on radiopapese.org in their uh archive and specifically in the sonora section Feel free to check it out on your drive home from commuting your, to work, listening yeah. in your kitchen when you cook or even, you know, just lay back and put in your headphones and just have a good time with it. Um, it's yeah. a real passion project. I'll tell, of mine. I'll
0: tell you what, it is very good. And I, You know, it is snowing outside uh, <laughs> here in Boston and I, you know. It would be really great if I was, mm-hmm. I mean, it's not, it's great. It's honestly great that I'm not driving in this right now. Yeah. Because <laughs> also I don't have my car up here, but it would, it, the mood would really be set driving home in the snow, mm-hmm. listening to I, it. And, you know, if the last thing I hear before I skid on some black ice and, you know, fall into a ravine is Joe's voice, you know what? I would be happy with Oh, that. God. <laughs> You know, I like that you don't go full NPR voice on it. Yeah, you
1: know, yeah, yeah. No, well, one, I couldn't afford it, and two, uh, it
0: <laughs> <laughs> it is it is
1: influenced from that sort of low budget radio that you hear come on in the middle of your drive somewhere. Uh, for me, it's a specific station I used to listen to on the way back home from work, and 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 you know, with the snow, as you said, Zan, I couldn't have put it better because I think it's 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 incredibly. Um, ironic in a way that the day it premieres there's snow outside just like in the story that I've kind of <laughs> came up with for it. So yeah, if you want to check it out, please do and and you know, let us know what you think about it. Let me know what you think about it. I'd love to hear.
0: Mhm. Mhm. Well, I believe that about does it? Uh for us, we mm-hmm. really appreciate you coming by the museum today. Uh yeah, we will see you again next week. From the Uncanny County Museum, I've been Zan Peters.
1: And I've been Joe Cimino.
0: Yoko Ono! Bye.